Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me as always is Alan. Hello. And Fred. Howdy. And I say with me as always, uh, Alan, but Alan uh, had to miss last week, wasn't feeling well, so really glad to have Alan back uh, with us as we get the season kicked off underway. And we are one weekend recording this on Thursday night. The Braves have an off day tonight and then start their home opening series weekend um, against the Phillies. I'm a little disappointed. I missed out on opening day tickets. I had some originally, and um, once they limited capacity, those got taken from me, and I wasn't able to get back in there and get them, but I'm sure everybody will have a, a great time at the home opener Friday night. Looking forward to seeing that and looking forward to getting to Truist Park whenever I, I can get a chance. So uh, excited. Again, the season get going, but unfortunately did have some downer news, I guess you could say, this week, or, or definitely is a downer, but Mike Soroka with a injury setback, um, shoulder inflammation. So not really related to the Achilles that he's healing, but uh, shoulder inflammation, Alan, is, is the report on Mike Soroka being shut down for two weeks. And a little concerning to me, this is the second time in three years I think he's had shoulder inflammation like this. So uh, a little little worrisome there, but we talked on here before, you know, no no real reason to kind of brush him back, make sure that he gets – 100%. We want him throwing his best bullets at the end of the year um, and not wasting them at the beginning. But your thoughts on the news, Alan? I'm just hoping, really, that it's kind of a repeat of what he had before because that was something that he was able to overcome via strength training and 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 specific exercises to strengthen part of the muscles in, the, in his shoulder that uh, were kind of being underutilized. And I'm wondering if perhaps the time off from his injury and the, the fact that he had not been throwing as much and couldn't be throwing as much may have uh, caused that to happen again. That's probably the best case scenario that could happen. We haven't heard specifically. That is the outcome I'm hoping for, at least. The shoulder, obviously, is a bad thing to have uh, an issue with in general. And if it's anything else, then that could be a, a signal that could be a longer uh, rehab session. But uh, so far, it sounds like everybody's being cautiously optimistic. So I will be as well. Yeah, that's definitely the way to go right now. I mean, like you said, he he's gone through this before and was able to bounce back from it and had a a really good year. But but Fred certainly, you know, Braves were hoping to get him back in mid-April, which you know I think we all kind of talked about maybe that was a little too soon. Um, but what what are your expectations now? Say you know if he's shut down for two weeks and he's able to start throwing, then you know when can we expect to have Soroka back? I think two weeks is optimistic. Uh, I. Look, I, I, it's the same with the Tatis injury. Well, he'll be okay with rehab. This isn't doing any worse. Uh, yes, it is, and they need to fix that. But uh, for Mike, this is the same thing that happened in 2018, but the reason is different. It happened because he didn't pitch last year at all. I mean, he threw, what, 
two got a couple of games and then he you know then he was done he started he stopped for the for the covid thing he came back and pitched in august then he was done for the rest of the year and so his arm is you know back to like two pre 290 2019 he hasn't really pitched so you go out and you start throwing you say well i feel good i feel good and you're letting it fly and it's all right and they're worried about the leg and they're worried about the leg but you're you're running it up there Pretty good clip for, for for Mike because he's not a, a fireballer, but he was running up there mid nineties, uh, and that's not what he does. And now his arm and now his shoulder hurts. The the history with shoulders is that if they become a problem, they remain a problem for pitchers, particularly. He doesn't. There's nothing surgically wrong with his shoulder, but he's already created a system whereby that shoulder's been injured twice, and for the same thing. Now. I'm not saying it's going to happen every year, but I think that's part of the reason the Braves didn't want to give him all that money, even though he wanted in in arbitration, uh, is because he's really, really, really had one season. He pitched really well in one season and five games. Aside from that, they haven't gotten anything out of Mike. I I, I love what Mike does when he's on the mound. I like the way he throws. I like what he does. He likes the way he beats the ball on the ground. But he's got this history now. And it worries me uh, to the point where I don't think he'll be back before before end of June because they're going to take him really slow to make sure that shoulder is not in pain and there's no inflammation. And uh, they will try not to give him shots in there because the shot in there just starts to make things worse. So I, I think that I think they'll hold him back, maybe not till June, but I certainly wouldn't give him the ball till June. Um, and I don't think two weeks is enough to to do anything for it because having had both shoulders operated on a couple of times, two weeks isn't long at all. Yeah, like I said, I'm trying to remain optimistic about it, but like you said, Fred, I mean, these shoulder things, I mean, they tend to continue to to be a problem. And, I mean, he's had something in every season now since he's been up to the big league. So certainly worries him for, for Mike. Hate it for him. He seems like a great guy, obviously really good pitcher. I want to see him healthy, put some – some good healthy years together with the Braves, but yeah, the, the outlook for his future is definitely a little concerning with these shoulder injuries that keep popping up. Uh, but this is why Alex went out and, and spent so much money in the starting rotation. In my opinion, maybe spent a little too much on some of these guys, but you know, he saw what happened last year and even the shortened season, you know, wasn't going to let that happen again. So the Braves have the, the starting pitching depth here to survive. Um, had a little scare with Max Freed. The other day, too, luckily, you know, that wasn't anything major. You know, that would have been really devastating losing him and losing two of your top guys. But the Braves have the, the pitching depth to, to sustain this. So I think they'll be okay, hopefully. Like I said, they can slow play things with Mike, make sure that he's 100% before they bring him back. But certainly hate to hear it for him because I know he was trying hard to get back as soon as he could and was looking like he was – uh, going to be back by the end of April, and like Fred said, now it could be June before we, we get to see him. But Other uh, big news item this week was the Braves made a trade in the first week of the season. So um, I saw the tweet from John Heyman saying that the Brewers were uh, in talks to trade Orlando Arcia, and if you would have asked me you know, a list of teams, top to bottom, who you thought was most likely going to be the trade partner, the Braves probably would have been at the bottom of that list. I just... I don't I didn't see the fit. I mean, you already have you already have a bunch of light hitting middle infielders on your bench as it is. I mean, Arcia is I, I like Arcia. He's a good solid defensive player. Um 
maybe league average, maybe a little below league average offensively. So I, I don't really understand the trade from the Braves' perspective. I mean, I get that, you know, Chad Zavodka and Patrick Weigel probably needed a, a change of scenery and, um, you know, maybe you, you clear some space on the 40-man roster and move those guys. But, Fred, I, I don't really see the fit with RC when you got guys like Johan Camargo, which – in my opinion, RC is probably better than Johan Camargo right now. But and you got Adrianza on the bench. But what did you think of the trade overall and how RC fits with this team? Well, I was shocked because they asked me where he was going. I just said Cincinnati because they they're playing Suarez at shortstop. But I, yeah, RC is a good player uh, defensively, uh, Gold Glove caliber defender at times. Uh, certainly better shortstop than Camargo. I don't know that he's better than Adrianza. I haven't seen enough of Adrianza to know about that, and numbers don't tell me much. But he's got he's got control. He's he's got options. He seems to be a well liked guy. He was well liked guy on the Brewers. They they thought a lot of him. They a lot of talk about boy they hated to let him go and all that. I think this may be the uh, ticket for Camargo to someplace else. I, I I hate to say that because I've I've written in, uh, about him on both sides over the years, but he just doesn't look like he cares, and and the Braves don't keep people who don't care. I just think it may be maybe the backfill for him. I mean, Adrian's is on a one year deal, and they've got control of Arcia. I think that you know that may be uh, Camargo's ticket out of town as part of a package at some point if they need somebody. I like the deal from the talent side of the thing. He's not going to hit a lot. He had two fifteen homer years, but both of those were sort of juice baseball years. So I don't put a lot of lot of stock in that. But he's he's a, certainly a plus to the depth on the team. Yeah, definitely gonna gonna add some depth. But it's not necessarily the bench bat I would have you know preferred. You know, I think we need a left handed power bat, obviously. So that's why you know I was a little taken back, Alan, when they they made this trade. I, I don't know. I'm still a little confused by it, so maybe you can explain it to me, Alan. Well, it's for those kind of reasons that I think that Camargo's days are numbered it, because it doesn't make sense in any other context. You you really didn't need him for the infield depth. You didn't need him for the bat depth. Uh, you need him for only maybe one purpose, and that's to replace Johan Camargo. I mean, this sounds fairly obvious to me that they don't want him playing at the major league level right now. And that's kind of crazy, but yeah, it, <laughs> I, I I think there's not a lot of uh, options there. I mean, I also don't even actually understand it too much from Milwaukee's point of view. I thought he made more sense to stay put, but I'm, I'm like you, Fred. I, when I heard this was coming, I figured, okay, Cincinnati, right? Okay. He, he said it there. Well, no. <laughs> so the uh, only, only reason that uh, you can come up with really uh, to justify this is that uh, Johan Camargo has been put on notice. And in fact, it's probably once you get to this point, past the time of notice. So once uh, Arcia and Adrianza both become eligible to join the team again, I think that uh, Camargo may never see the major leagues again if, unless uh, some bizarre emergency happens. hate to say that, but, uh, I mean, we've been sort of having him on watch and uh, 
for the last several months and even a couple of years now that uh, we, we've been watching his performance. But uh, he has not gotten better. His approach has not changed at the plate, and there doesn't seem to be any reason for this other than that the, the Braves have lost uh, patience with him and, and decided, okay, that's it. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, and one thing to keep in mind, too, is that R.C. has been playing third base um, in Milwaukee. They were, they were moving him over to third base this season to make room for Luis Arias at shortstop. So R.C. has that flexibility now where he can back up third base as well, which, again, kind of eliminates the need for Johan Camargo. So so that, you know, I guess kind of explains that deal. Such a weird trade because it doesn't make sense for either side, right? Like you said, it, it doesn't really make sense for Milwaukee either, in my opinion. So uh, a weird early early season trade there. Um, there was another early season trade, too. The Yankees traded for Rugnado Odor. So it was a really uh, weird day the other day. I had to check my calendar, make sure it wasn't July 31st, and nobody told me. But we'll jump into some actual game gameplay now as we are through a week of the season. The Braves have a... Two and four record. They got uh, swept in Philadelphia to start the year. Just a really ugly series, and then started off the National Series with a, a ugly loss as well, uh, blowing a lead late. But came back on uh, Wednesday and swept a doubleheader, which I didn't even realize these were going to be seven inning games again. I hate seven inning games, but I was glad to have them in this one because the Braves came away with with both wins in the doubleheader. Uh, really feels good to. Get those first two wins, Allen, and um, makes it look like a much better first week for the Braves. Certainly not great getting swept in Philadelphia, but uh, I'll take the two and four record after after that zero and three start. You know, it's kind of interesting to see the the way that the pitching was aligned yesterday in that doubleheader, where we had Max Free going the first game and then Steven Strasburg going the second game. They did not go up against one another, and yet of all. The things that you could have expected, Free didn't make it out the, the past the second inning. Strasburg pitched brilliantly, uh, but never got the win because perhaps they decided not to go seven innings with him. So it, it was not exactly the way you'd scripted anything, but somehow the uh, the Braves managed to come up with with a win, and that was despite a bullpen that tried to implode in the first game. And despite the fact that nobody was getting any hits in the second game, uh, but I kind of cut away all the, uh, the weeds and, and such in this. Pablo Sandoval's acquisition and, and decision to put him on the roster is looking pretty good right now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll eat crow on that one. I did not think he was going to be making the opening day roster. Well, I'll help you serve it and eat some as well because I, <laughs> I didn't expect it either. I, I, I kind of had the, the back of my mind that, They'd like to keep him, but at the same time, I still figured Jake Lamb was going to be the guy. But guess what? Uh, not only did he make the team, he's got some power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of kind of came out of nowhere and was <laughs> very much needed. So um, certainly a big week for the Panda. But, Fred, what was your overall thoughts on the first week for the Braves? Well, uh, you got to tip your hat to Wheeler, okay? Wheeler was virtually unhittable mm-hmm. in his game. He was painting with 98, 99, inside, outside, up, down. People complained because they weren't getting hits off of it, but those were really, those pitches were really hard to hit. Those were, he was nasty. Um, Eflin was good, uh, and the Braves didn't take advantage of that. And 
I will go back to something I said a few weeks ago uh, that the key to the lineup working at the top was Ozzy, and Ozzy did nothing in Philadelphia, and he did nothing in the first game in Washington. And when Ozzy hit, the Braves scored, and I know Panda hit the home runs, and I I love I love the fact that Panda's having fun and and doing the job we need him to do. I really think he's a plus on the bench and in the clubhouse. I think his personality is there. I think he's one of these guys that everybody likes to have around. And uh, I didn't expect this kind of power from Panda, but hey, he went out there and uh, he's he doesn't didn't give away any at bats that I saw. Ozzy wasn't there in Philadelphia. He never had a beat on Eflin or or uh, any of the pitchers in Philadelphia. Really, they just had him uh, buffaloed. And then and he, and of course, Mad Max was out there the first game, and they got to Max early, but not Oz. I mean, Acuna hit him, and and Freddie took him deep, uh, and Ozzy just was lost. And then all of a sudden, uh, he gets a hit. It wasn't a great hit in the first game, and then he got a line drive in the next game. I said, hey. Ozzy may be waking up. That's the key for me is to get him going to the top, and this will be going. As far as worried about two and four, no, I'm not worried about that. These Some of these players are not going to be this good all year. In fact, most of them aren't going to be this good all year, and the Braves are going to get better. The bottom of the lineup still worries me because the bottom of the lineup isn't hitting, and that's a problem, uh, particularly when you've got Acuna leading off and you don't have any on ba- anybody on base in front of him to, to hit. Uh, to drive in when he hits, but uh, I, I again, I'm not worried about the lineup yet. Uh, it's early days, and uh, everybody climb off back off the ledge and have a have a cup of coffee and give us some time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, after what happened, you know, a couple of years ago, I guess 2019, when the Braves got swept in Philly to start the year and then came back to and won the division, um, you know, people should realize by by now what happened in that first series doesn't mean a whole lot. And, you know, home teams, you know, to start the year are going to have that big crowd advantage because they didn't have a crowd last year. So me playing high on emotions there and certainly Philly has a, a raucous uh, group of fans. So, you know, certainly was not, you know, was not exact. I, mean, I definitely was disappointed, didn't want to see them get swept, but certainly was not a big concern of mine to see them getting swept in in Philadelphia but glad they were able to go to Washington and and get a couple of wins there and now they come home and I I think once they get home they're going to be able to to breathe a sigh of relief it's got to be really tough for these guys Um, you know you're down in spring training for over a month month and a half or whatever and then you start the season on the road and you're gone for you know another week traveling different locations Um, this is a long time for, for these guys to be away from their family and you've heard Freddie Freeman talk about it you know, he just had, you know, two kids and hasn't been able to see them for, for two months now. Um, so, you know, it's really, really rough. People don't really think about the toll that it takes on players like that. So I think they're going to come home, be, be rejuvenated, and hopefully uh, come out, you know, swinging the bats well this weekend. Hopefully have some better, better bats against the Phillies this go around. Taking a look at some highs and lows from the first week, and, and Fred, I'll go to you first. Maybe uh, give me one of your highs from the offensive side and one of your highs from the pitching side. Well, I, I was really impressed with uh, Yanoa uh, yesterday. Uh, 
it, if anybody, if you told everybody that we were going to have a bullpen game and a regular starter game, and Max was starting game one, you think, <laughs> well, Max is going to go six, and the bullpen's going to pick him up. <laughs> and Max went two, just like, and the bullpen picked him up. And you know, I said, well, if he's only going to go two, I guess I'll go five. And he went yeah. out, and they didn't. They literally didn't touch him. Um, I expected him to be three and done because that's usually what happens. And in the fourth, he did start pushing the ball off the plate a little bit. He went three really good, and all of a sudden. He was sort of trying to aim the ball, but he recovered. They didn't get anything off of him. Uh, he went didn't go as far as Strasburg, but then, gee whiz, what did you expect out of him? Uh, out of him? Uh, I think uh, that was the high point of the pitching for the week for me. And I want to say something about Sean Newcomb, and I'm going to write something here if I can figure out how to spell. I think if Newcomb wants to start be a starting pitcher, the first thing he has to do is embrace being a late inning reliever. Because if he goes out and does that, then somebody's going to want him that thinks he's a starter. And they're going to come out, and they're going to pick him up, and they're going to give him a shot at starting. You know, you can see that happen with teams like the Rays and the Reds and, uh, you know, uh, the Giants maybe. Uh, uh, just about anybody that needs it, the Cubs. People who want a starting pitcher with stuff, I think I think that what he did in the, in the seventh inning yesterday was important for Sean Newcomb, and I think he needs to – Lean on that pretty hard, uh, and I'm glad to see Acuna just destroying baseballs all over Washington. Uh, to the, you know, hit what 500 in that series. So yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely a good week. A good week for both of them against the Nationals. Um, yeah, you know, uh, we, we've talked about it. There's always, you know, he'll be cruising, and then he has that one big inning where he blows up. And I think it was actually the third inning. He gave up that. Um, he gave up a double to Steven Strasburg. And then he walked Victor Robles, and then Trey Turner's coming up, and you're thinking, okay, here's That's you know, correct, yeah. uh, here's a Noah. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna lose it this inning. Things are gonna unravel. Next thing you know, he's giving up four runs, uh, and he gets Trey Turner of all people to ground into a double play. Good, good play by Freddie Freeman at first base to start that double play. Uh, and he gets out of that, and you know, it was just like a huge sigh of relief. You know, that's the hurdle we've been talking about. That if he can get over that, you know, he can be a really good, you know, five, six inning starting pitcher. So. Uh, I think that was really huge for him, huge for the Braves, you know, really big for his confidence. But, uh, Alan, what were some of your, your highs from the first week? Well, since Fred took all the good ones, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'll go to Josh Tomlin on the pitching side because he's a guy that helped save the bacon in uh, one of these games as well. He's pitched three-plus innings so far. He struck out four, walked only one, and uh, that – Contrast with my downer of the uh, the pitching side, which is that you've, we've still got too many bullpen guys walking too many guys. This is what we thought we had is a bullpen that threw strikes and, and got people out. We did not think that we were going to have guys that were walking the house, and that's that's a problem. Uh, Luke Jackson's got three walks. Tyler Batzik uh, had a good outing, but then he came back and he's walked three guys now. And Will Smith is is still not quite Will Smith, it seems, apparently, too. So uh, we've still got to get those guys straightened out. And I'm going to contrast that now with, the, my my big concern, and the, my big concern is not the Braves, because I think the Braves are going to be good. They're going to get their hitting squared away. They're going to get their pitching squared away. But my big concern is the Philadelphia Phillies, because 
unlike what happened when they swept the Braves in the opening series in 2019, that was a little more just because the Braves had pitching troubles and weren't really squared away as they should be. They started this, Bryce Wilson and Cal Wright in that series. Exactly. And this time we started our best guys and the Phillies came out and beat us. And they not only beat us, but they also beat us with their bullpen. And that was the big thing that they needed to do to fix uh, things and turn their ship around over the offseason. They've done it. They've proven it to themselves that they've got a bullpen that works. And these guys are going to be trouble all year, I think. And that's that's going to be interesting to see what happens now this weekend in the, the home Philadelphia series that we're going to start. Because if the Braves can't uh, get these guys uh, figured out in a hurry and we get to start with Zach Wheeler again, oh boy, they're going to take first place and, and hold it for a while, I think. And that that's going to be a, a, a trouble uh, for the season. I think I'm worried about the Phillies more than the Mets, for sure, and certainly more than the Nationals. That's the tale of caution I'm throwing here, <laughs> I guess, yeah. as, as we get out of the first week. Yeah, it is a rough first week for the Braves, too, right? And it seems like this always happen, happens to them, but they faced Aaron Nola, <laughs> Zach Wheeler, Max, Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg in, in four of their first six games, you know, not to mention Eflin, who, um, you know, pitched really well and the Phillies are really high on him. And now they got to face Wheeler again. So, you know, with the Nationals first series being delayed, then they got the, the top starters from the Nationals in their series. So, you know, can understand the offense being a little slow there, but great point on the Phillies bullpen because they did look really good with Alvarado back there. I mean, he, he's, he's got electric stuff. As long as he's throwing it in the zone, he's really good. Uh, surprised they didn't get to Naris a little bit more. I, I think Naris is, is hittable. Um, you know, he really only throws in the one pitch there and that, and that splitter. But, um, but yeah, that Phillies bullpen was impressive that first weekend. We'll see. I, the thing with them is there's not a lot of depth there, right? I mean, if they lose one or two of those guys, then I think they're, they're in trouble. You know, got Bradley there as well, but, yeah, I mean, certainly they, they looked good, but, uh, Fred, what's your, your biggest concern for the Braves after the first week? My, my biggest concern for the Braves is still the concern I had, uh, from, from the offseason is, uh, I know Riley's got some hits, but they haven't been really, I mean, he drove in a couple, but he hasn't been definitive hits and the big pictures, big pitchers have handled him really well. Pache, who I think will hit, I still think Pache is going to be a 250 hitter. Um, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't found a groove yet, and uh, I just I don't and Darno's not going to get to pitch or catch every day because you don't want him worn out by July. Uh, I don't know that uh, Ajax or or even Contreras is going to be able to come up and do that and do the job. Uh, I I just think the lineup it, as deep as I think it is when it's hit when they're hitting, uh, they're not right now. I think that's a problem. Also, Martin's fingers worry me. Has that guy spent, has that guy ever had a season where he wasn't injured? No. And, 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 you know, it's, it, it's like he went out through that pitch in the postseason and he was done. Uh, and then he pitched okay last year at, it, but in, it was a 60 game season and he, he comes out this year and his thing, he can't feel his fingertips. Uh, that's a nerve issue and maybe it's fixable, but. He's he's looks to me like that guy who's just almost nearly really good, but he can't stay on the mound. And you know, I I still don't know why Luke's here, but 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 Martin worries me because they relied on Martin getting in there, 
maybe Jones is the backup for Martin, and they, they didn't use Webb. They brought him up, and maybe Jacob Webb's going to slide in there if one of them collapses in a big heap. But Martin's the guy they, they went out and, and uh, got, and, and, yeah, he's supposed to be the guy. And I, I you know, he can be, but, boy, uh, between Martin and Riley and, uh, I, and Luke, I'm worried about those three guys particularly. The rest of it, I think it'll shake out. Yeah, I commented the other day, I mean, they brought in Josh Tomlin in a big spot against a right-handed pitcher. And, you know, if that's who you're going to out of the bullpen for, you know, right. And I love Josh Tomlin. Don't get me wrong. But if that's the guy you're going to behind Chris Martin, like, that's a little worrisome to me. So I think they got to find some other righties. I don't know why Jacob Webb's not in this bullpen already. I don't know why he wasn't from the beginning unless it's just service time or options, you know, he had options and other guys, <coughs> Luke Jackson didn't. Um, but I don't know why Webb's not, not in the bullpen to me. He's the second. Why do best. we care if Luke Jackson has options or not? Yep. And that's why, that's why I coughed before I said it. So, um, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't get it. I think he's our second best righty behind Chris Martin. And, and so with Chris Martin out and maybe it won't be long, um, you know, I think they gotta, gotta have Webb in this bullpen. I know there may be some, um, time restraints there. Apparently you have to be at the alternate site 10 days or whatever, but, but anyways, there's definitely a concern there in the bullpen for me from the right-handed side. Um, and then Maxic, you know, mentor, they look, I mean, they've gotten the job done. They haven't get, you know, mentors given up one run. Maxic hasn't given up anything, but it hasn't exactly looked smooth to me for either of those guys. Um, and obviously throw Will Smith in there as well. So that concerns me a little bit, just the, the top guys in the bullpen. You know, those were the, the four, Martin, Mentor, Matzik, and Smith, that you're really counting on to lock things down. And so far they haven't really been locked down for the Braves. So, you know, really hoping, and again, one week, you know, I think Mentor's had four outings, Matzik's had three, Smith's had three. You know, hopefully they'll turn it around and, and we'll be fine. And, and I think they still will be, but it makes me a little nervous just because, you know, Mentor out of nowhere and Matzik really had great years last year. And again, the short season, short sample size, you just wonder, you know, can they repeat that and can they repeat it over a full year? So that makes me a little nervous. But as we talked about with the bench, you know, bullpen arms can, bullpen can, can be fixed. AA's done it during a season once before. So, that's not, you know, a major concern for me, but I would like to see those guys be a little bit more efficient going forward. Just something real quick is that we had to have 14 guys in the bullpen, right? So why is Grant Dayton only faced one hitter? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, well, it, it's sort of weird. Why but was he it, the guy up in the first inning when somebody was in trouble? Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking of guys without options, there's another one. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I commented the other day in – and I broke my card and ruled it, and I got an argument with Nagahoma Nation on Twitter, and never should have done that. But I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why Lou Jackson or Grant Dayton were on this roster. The only reason I can figure is because they were out of options, and other guys had them. But to me, the, yeah, but they to, had to give Jackson a new contract. Yeah, again, he wasn't under team control. They, yeah, they. They could have cut. They could have non tendered him. You know, for all I care, and I know there's people out there that love Luke Jackson, but. No, okay, but Grant Grant Dayton makes no sense to me to be on this roster. You have a ton of lefties already. Um, you know he doesn't. You know he doesn't need to be on this roster. I'm, and it's nothing against Dayton. I don't know what he's saying that he's he's bad. I probably like him more than I like Luke Jackson, but there's no reason for him to be on this roster. Um, and I was totally against them going with 14 
bullpen arms in the first place. So that's kind of beside the point now. But looking to the future, we'll move on from that because we could go on a tangent for that for a little bit. But uh, the Braves do come back home this weekend. They'll they'll play the Phillies. Like I said, got Zach Wheeler uh, again on Friday. Uh, and then they have a four-game set at home with the Miami Marlins, who, you know, are hitting worse than, than the Braves right now. Uh, I think they only scored three runs in their series with the Cardinals this week. So um, that hopefully will be a good ho- winning homestand for the Braves. And then next weekend they go to Chicago uh, for three games, and Wrigley and the Cubs are, are struggling at the plate. A lot of teams struggling at the plate right now, which is, you know, typical. Pitchers are usually ahead of hitters this time of year, but – uh certainly hope it's going to be a, a good homestand for the Braves against the Phillies and Marlins and then going to the Cubs next week. But, uh, Fred, uh, any any final thoughts before we get out of here? Well, I, I think the home cooking's going to do the Braves a lot of good. They, I mean, you know, they were in Florida, and then they've been on the road, and they didn't know they didn't, they had a game postponed, and suddenly you've got a doubleheader. And it's not an excuse. It is a reason but I'm not excusing them for not doing it. I mean, I'll excuse them not hitting Wheeler because, geez. But um, <laughs> and and his old running mate Degrom came out his first game and threw 24 uh, fastballs at 100 miles an hour. And, uh, and so you know you you start to wonder uh, if those if those big arms are going to hold up all year. I think ours are going to hold up. I'm not so sure. You know, when, once Mike gets back, I think we're going to be fine. But boy, it was. Um, it was not a good week, so let's do better this week, guys. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got, Alan? Well, you know, it's hard to get in a, in a hitting groove when you've got pitching like that coming at you every day. So yeah. uh, the fact that uh, you even got guys like Acuna hitting like he is 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 actually a little surprising. But yet yeah, they, uh, I, I hate to say it this way, but they kind of need a mediocre team to play to be able to get themselves off uh, in, into a groove and, and off top dead center that way. Uh, but when once they start getting some things falling, like Ozzy Albies did the other day, he got a hit to fall, and then suddenly. He was on base three times in a row. So uh, w- once those kinds of things happen, you get something good happening, I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like like Fred said, it's not, it's not an excuse. It's not a reason. They've had three off days in the first week. And like I mentioned, they've t- faced four of the best starting pitchers in all of baseball in that first week. So, you know, a little understandable that the offense hasn't been able to get into a groove. So certainly think they will. And with this offense, you're just going to have highs and lows. I mean, we even saw it last year and the year before. I mean, this offense is going to have times where they're, they're swinging and missing too much and not getting the the home runs. And you're going to see them slump a little bit, but then they're going to come out and score 30 runs the next game. So, um, you know, that's just type of offense that this is. You got to take the good and the bad as I, as I wrote the other day. Um, but yeah, certainly Acuna, great week. I'm really, you know, been saying it all off season, really excited. Hope that he can stay healthy all year. He's, he's, uh, got two home runs and two stolen bases as he begins that pursuit for a 40 40 season that I really hope that he gets. But yeah, behind him, Austin Riley and Travis Darno are, are second on the team with four hits apiece. So, uh, definitely want to see, you know, guys like Freddie Freeman, Ozuna, Ozzy Albies get going at the top of that lineup. And I think coming home will do them a lot of good. We didn't talk about the, the all-star game on here just because uh, we could go down a rabbit hole there that, that may not be, be good for, good for anybody and just create more 
anger and frustration, but I did want to mention it as the Braves uh, lost out the All-Star game. We will not have it this summer um, and it has moved to Colorado. Uh, I let my feelings be known uh, on TomahawkTake.com, so you can go and read that. And I know Fred and, and Alan have let their feelings be known in other mediums as well, but uh, didn't really want to get into it on the podcast, but did want to mention it just for our, our listeners out there uh, to let you know that you can go and read some of our thoughts on that in other places so make sure that you do check out tomahawktake.com as we'll have daily articles on there throughout the season covering the atlanta braves but that will do it for this episode of the tomahawk take podcast thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week this has been the first week overreactions edition of the tomahawk take podcast which is a production of tomahawktake.com and fansided llc a subsidiary of minute media inc Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of their participants. No, you can't blame Minute Media except for withholding their supervision. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Opportunity Walks. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTick.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today, and you have our pledge that this podcast will never run any longer than a Ronald Acuna Jr. homer. After all, it's physically impossible to do so. We'll catch you in the next inning. See you then. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.